You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. So if you're looking for any type of battery from rangefinders to trail cameras to your truck, car batteries, anything, any type of battery that you can think of, visit your local Interstate Batteries retail location and talk with a battery specialist. For more information about the company and all of the batteries that these guys offer, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast brought to you by Vortex Optics. Now, today is a straight-up BS session with my buddy Bob Polanik. You might know him from the Hunting Gear podcast. He's been on the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast a handful of times. And uh, I say this is a BS session because we started recording with absolutely nothing planned right a shoot straight up shoot from the hip episode and and here is what we cover that i can remember we cover crossbows we cover hunting buffalo in uh, yellowstone national park we cover steelhead fishing and not in that order and some maybe some gear maybe some uh, some other hunting related things Anyway, it's a straight-up BS session. Uh, I know you guys like those, and basically what it is is it's two dudes just bullshitting over the phone, catching up. So there's that. Let's see. I got a little bit of a house, some housekeeping to do real quick, and I'm just going to get the commercial out of the way. Vortex Optics, man. You guys have heard me um, talk about these guys for a while now, but these guys have a ton of high-quality uh you know, high quality optics, whether you want a rifle scope, red dots, binoculars, rangefinders, spotting scopes. But one reason I really like working with Vortex is because the people who work there are also participants in whatever it is, you know, they do. Like they have uh, guys who are gun nuts, right? And so they can actually have a conversation with you about guns and what rifle scope works best for your guns. I'm a bow hunter, right? So I can have an, a conversation with someone about spotting scopes and binoculars and range finders that actually uses the product every fall, you know, during the hunting season. So it's good to have companies who employ participants of whatever it is they're trying to sell. So 
on top of all of that, right, not only do they have the quality products of just about every kind of optics you could need, but they also have their warranty, right? Uh, the VIP, and I'll just read a little blurb here, VIP stands for very important promise to you, our customer. We will repair or replace your Vortex product in the event it becomes damaged or defective at no charge to you, period. I've taken advantage of that on two different occasions, right? The first one was a seal was broken and it allowed moisture into my uh, binoculars and so there was always fog on the inside of the lens meaning I couldn't see very well fixed it and the other time I think uh, the back end uh, lens cracked when I dropped it they fixed it for free right they fixed it for free and sent it back to me so that's uh, awesome right and if you want to find out more information about vortex optics go to vortexoptics.com and take a look at uh, everything that these guys make now the next thing i want to talk about is on the sportsman's nation youtube channel uh I have recently been putting out a video series called Whiteboard Whitetails, and I just launched another one today discussing river bottom bedding areas. Um, this particular episode of White, Whiteboard Whitetails talks about, you know, there's not a lot of terrain in these river bottoms other than the, the creek system itself. Uh, I know that on the farm that I hunt and I kind of grew up hunting river bottom ground, not a lot of terrain, pretty flat. Uh, and then, you know, maybe a hundred to 300 yards away from the waterway would be the terrain, the hills, the fingers leading up into the ag, but the bottom, the, the bottoms get farmed as well. So that's what this is about, right? The, this whiteboard whitetails is about some of my favorite stand locations i draw topographic lines on some of them i draw you know little diagrams to show how i access them what my scent is doing what my scent cone is doing what wind direction i like to hunt and access them in i kind of mark out bedding areas i kind of mark out trails you know just a whole bunch of things really giving details about my stand locations and how I how and when I hunt them so I've gotten pretty good feedback thus far so go to the sportsman's nation ooh that's uh that's unprofessional that was actually Parker McDonald trying to call me so we're gonna blame him and I didn't have my phone off anyway go to the sportsman's nation uh YouTube channel and check that out other than that let's get into today's BS session podcast with my good buddy Bob Polanik. All right, Bob Polanik is on the podcast today. I don't even know what what this podcast is going to be. If this is going to be a hunting gear podcast or if this is going to be a nine fingers episode. But Bob, how the hell are you? I'm doing pretty good, man. How are you, dude? My life is out of control. I'm gonna be honest with you. All this background noise. I I'm like, I'm just overwhelmed right now with life. I need to slow down and get my shit together and stop bitching. Sounds like you need to go uh, just walk around aimlessly and look for sheds. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I wish. I can only do that so much, though, until the yeah. wife's like, okay, well, now it's almost like you're trying to escape the family. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, dude, I saw the Instagram post from you the other day and you know i thought you were this big badass steelhead fisherman and now <laughs> one one bite in like five days what's the deal dude it was bad i don't know 
I don't know. I'm broken. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I normally do pretty good, or at least someone on my boat does pretty good. Um, but yeah, man, we just, I don't know. The high sun can sometimes affect it. I, I'm not going to make excuses. We just suck. I definitely fish like the wrong section of rivers a couple times. And that's just, it's my own fault. It's kind of trying to stay away from people. Yeah. Because this time of year, especially if it gets 45, 50, there's just a lot of people. And I will say, two of the days I fished, I didn't see anyone. Um, and then, uh, yeah. On Sunday when I fished, it was very nice. And we saw a ton of people. And yeah, yeah it's just, yeah, it was just, that's that's what happens. You got to have the bad days to know what uh, a good day is. But yeah. Um, is there three a days to steelhead fishing? Is there a secret? Mm. I don't know. I mean, no, the... just knowing, knowing your water, knowing the water that you're fishing. Cause like when I go, when I take my drift boat out, I'm typically floating about, uh, anywhere from like five to seven miles of river in a day. And I'll fish probably 30 to 40 different spots and, uh, you know, holes, bends, stuff like that. And, um, yeah, to do that for three days into, uh, I think I hooked one fish, my buddy hooked my buddy hooked three mm-hmm. and we didn't land, we didn't land any of them and we didn't fight any of them for more than 10 seconds so yeah well, it's I, just I tell you what, fishing fishing's funny sometimes man i i'm not by any means a professional fisherman or i don't know i really don't know shit about fishing i just you know whenever i go i go with my father-in-law he tells me what to put on the uh put on the uh i don't know on the hook and or on the end of the line throw it how to work it and then i catch fish that's yeah. that's the kind of fisherman that i am yeah uh normally i'm just used to success you know when i <laughs> oh badass <laughs> no not i don't i don't you know i don't mean to sound i hope that doesn't come across like cocky but like it's just I'm used to putting fish in the boat and, uh, to do, yeah, it's just a big slice of humble pie. And I haven't, I haven't had that in a while. So, but do they have steelhead fishing tournaments like they do bass tournaments? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Big time. They're more, they're not like, um, they're not as big and they, you don't have like TV contracts and stuff like that. But yeah, there's, there's plenty of shops that put them on and there's buy-ins and good payouts and stuff like that. So I don't, I don't really participate in any of those. Um, but yeah, so I would say going fishing for three days like that, cause prime time right now would be the equivalent of sitting in your tree stand from sun up to sundown and not seeing a single deer on, let's say November 3rd, 4th and 5th for three days straight. You don't see a deer during the rut. That's basically what this weekend was. Yikes. Yeah. That's how, that's how. I mean, the difference is, is you can drink beer and grill and listen to music. So there's a little bit of, it's a little bit more enjoyable. A little fun but, involved. Uh, yeah, it's still frustrating. Yeah. But. All right. So, um, what else is what what else is going on out there? Is there any current events? Oh, hey, I, I'll tell you what I want to talk about real quick. Um, so, for the, the the past handful of years, Yellowstone National Park. Have you ever been to Yellowstone? I have, yes. Uh, is it awesome, or what's it like? It's pretty fantastic. I'm um, the older I've gotten, I'm not big into like the tourists drive the loop, look at yeah. everything from the roadside. 
uh, you start hunting out there and you'd rather just go hunting in the mountains and then like run into a moose at, you know, 40 yards that won't get off your trail, even if you're throwing stuff at it. So, which I have done, but, uh, yeah, uh, seeing everything from the road and through a pair of binos, that's cool. There's some breathtaking views. Uh, I think old faithful, that's super cool. But, um, I did all that when I was younger, probably when I was 12, 13, something like that. Yeah. My, uh, my father-in-law tells the story of him going out there and, uh, you know, there was, I guess, a, a bull moose, a pretty big bull moose or an elk or something like that. I can't remember in a Creek and he got out of his car and people were handing him cameras and he was like eight feet from it. And this was like, this was a long time ago, but then you see these Instagram or YouTube videos of the lady getting charged by a Buffalo and being thrown around like a rag doll and all this stuff. And I don't know. I I always get a good kick out of those videos because, well, those people are dumb and that's why I laugh. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. But in Yellowstone, I've never been there and I think my kids are too young, but in Yellowstone every year they do a, a calling. Have you, have you heard about this? I have not. Okay, so they round up all of these buffalo, and I guess they take them off-site to an Indian reservation, and basically some of them I think might be released, some of them you know, on the Indian reservation, some of them are hunted, and then some of them are actually uh, just slaughtered like beef. They run them up into a, uh, you know, run them up into a, a, a building and then they shoot them in the head and then they take the meat off of them just like that. Right. So, you know, uh, Eastman wrote this article about how, dude, instead of having taxpayers pay for the movement of these, why not get hunting involved? Now, here's the, the big dilemma, right? It's on a national park. It's, it's in Yellowstone. And. I'm all for like, dude, charge a guy X amount of dollars to hunt a buffalo in Yellowstone. Man, I don't know about you, but just that experience alone would have to be worth a shit ton of money. And then that all that money raised for hunting buffalo could be put back towards the national park. Like, yeah, I don't know. I, what, I, what are your thoughts on that? I actually don't agree. Um, okay. I mean, I, I totally get what you're saying. And I yeah. think that something like that is a great way to help national parks, but there's something about Yellowstone and just national parks in general like that, that you can't hunt and nobody can hunt them and they, they're pristine yep. and they're undisturbed. And there's, I don't know how much longer in our country that's going to be a thing. Um, I mean, we're probably talking several decades or maybe a century still where, places like Yellowstone and Grand Teton National Park and Glacier, it's all going to be left alone and no hunting. But there will be a day where it's all going to be gone. Uh, and that could be it could be, an, it could be a thousand years from now. I don't know. But keep it as pristine as possible for as long as possible, yeah. my opinion. And the, and the reason they round up all of these buffalo, and I think it was this, the 19... The 2019-2020 year, they're going to round up somewhere between six and 900 of them because they're, wow. they're actually doing damage to the, 
you know, they're, they're overgrazing. So all the other animals don't have the ability to, you know, eat the grasses and, uh, you know, they're, they're getting into traffic and, you know, they're doing everything that overpopulated animals do. Right. So right. there's, yep. and I think they said somewhere around between 4,000 and 4,500 is the carrying capacity of Yellowstone. And for the most part, bison don't have the threat uh, of predation, let's say like a elk does, because bison herd up and, to defend themselves. So it makes it really hard for a wolf or a grizzly to, you know, kill them. So basically, the predation is not is not really a thing. So they're they're overpopulated. So my my thought is, you know, this is an opportunity to to make some money off hunting, but the anti hunters are. You know, it's not like they're really going to, I guess, destroy the ecosystem if they do it properly, right? right? And I think it could right. be one of those things where I'm sure the park closes at some point throughout the year, right, where the tourists don't come. Well, at that point, bring the hunters in because other, yep. other than that, they're having cowboys, you know, wrangle them up and put them in um, wagons and or trailers and haul them somewhere else. So... I don't know. I just feel like that that's an opportunity to create some money for uh, conservation through hunting additional money. Yeah. You know, know what I mean? And I, I totally get it. I mean, I think if it ever came to a vote or something like that, I'd, I'd weigh all the facts and probably vote your way. But just uh, I don't know. Maybe it's because it's a you know it's a Wednesday. There's a full moon right now. I'm feeling this way. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you just sprung this on me. I really thought about it, but yeah, yeah. it's uh, gut gut feelings. Kind of is like I don't know. There's only so many places in the country that we cannot hunt. Yeah, and, uh, leave it alone. Yeah, yeah. So I would love to hunt Yellowstone. I there's just giant bulls everywhere. Yeah, giant uh, bull elk everywhere. And that uh, yeah, I mean they walk up to people probably be the easiest place to ever kill a big bull but yeah, yeah. i'll tell you there you know i don't know what the popul the the population is like in some of these other places but uh one of my wife's friends lives in colorado what's estes park right and yeah. these elk there's like you know 350 class bulls just walking down the street during the rut and yeah. bugling and every year they like a couple of them get in a fight and they do damage to cars like in people's parking lot and driveways. Right? right. And, uh, she, uh, she sent my wife a video of this giant bull bugling right in her yard. It's crazy. It's crazy. So I wonder, do you think, I wonder if they bugle all night long? Like, are they bugling all night long? Cause like, have you ever slept in a tent in the mountains and you just heard bulls bugling all night and you just can't even sleep? Um, only like, for about three hours it happened and it was right at last light and I was in Idaho and then like there's like three bulls just going bananas for you know I'd say two hours maybe while we were cooking yeah. our food and then they moved out off and didn't bugle but no I've never experienced the all-night bugle fest well you don't sleep at all because you're just like wow I should be trying to move in on those things or whatever <laughs> but uh no that'd be super cool just to be able to hear it you know all night long through, through your window, you know, that'd be, that'd be amazing. Um, real quick, uh, not to change topics on you, but I saw, looks like an elk hunt is not in the books for you this year, huh? No, not going to happen. So, and it's, it's a hundred percent 
well, it's two two reasons. One's financial, and one is I'm saving that money because I'm going to put it towards I think next year's hunt. I, I got like six points for Wyoming. Uh, I might I might be drawing with seven, so that's a decent amount of points. I turned forty, so I'm going into the uh, the stage of my life where you know I'm like, hey, if I'm going to do it, I'm, I better do it now. So I think not this upcoming fall, but next fall is going to be kind of a big year for me when I, you know, I'm going to go on a mule deer hunt. I think I'm going to go to a, you know, cash in my points on a Wyoming elk hunt. I think I might do an antelope hunt. And then of course, Iowa as well. So next fall might, you know, my 40th, my 40th fall might be a crazy fall as far as, nice. you know, so it's not, I, I'd love to go. If I had extra money and extra time, I would, uh, probably go on an elk hunt this year but right. but i think i'm going to save my money and for the first time ever i might hire a guide i don't know have you ever have you ever thought about hiring a guide especially and i know over the counter areas are a little different but hiring a guide when you have that many points built up and plan for i'm not going to say a rare hunt but a a more unique hunt yes um yeah uh I, I think i've got four four points in um wyoming so i would love it if you went to wyoming next year and gave me the scoop <laughs> yeah of a, a little a little because i have no i have zero contacts in wyoming so yeah i'd love some some boots on the ground information um but yeah um a buddy and a, a buddy and myself we've been applying for points for a few years now I've kind of got the same plan. Get uh, six, seven, eight points, see where we can draw. And I think, yeah, we're talking about probably going with a guide just because by then probably have been, I don't know, a solid seven or eight DIY elk hunts under my belt. And um, I don't know, you know, when I started doing it, I would never, never would have considered hiring a guide, but just, it's so hard to kill a, you know, a 300 inch, or, or bigger bull. And I think that's, you know, like you're saying seven points, eight points, they're 50 bucks a piece, I, I believe. Mm-hmm. And then you got to pay for the tag. You have all that invested. You yeah. probably only have a week, maybe 10 days to do it. Yeah. yeah. I think if you're going to do it, just do it that one time, you know, or that once per decade where you hire a guide and you get, you get an opportunity at a, you know, yeah. at a bull of a lifetime. Now, so I don't know if they do this or not out there, but I just want a guide. I don't want an outfitted like hunt where I go to a camp. There's like ten other guys there. I'm basically I, I want I want to go with a guide on whether it's public or private. I you know it, more than likely this is what I'm envisioning. I'm envisioning I meet up with a guy, we hike in together, we set up a a camp, right? Not like these big wall tents where there's horses and running you back and forth, but like a, a hike in set up a base camp just like I would do in any other state, but I actually have a guy, you know, pointing me in direction, in a specific right. direction. Like, all right, hey, right. let's go over here. I'm going to help call for you. Um, here's the scenario, like a basically a one-on-one type scenario. Uh, and I don't know. I see it. I see it all going down on public. I see it, you know, a, a tent camp. We may have to, you know, pick up, you know, there's not – 
you know, we're, we're cooking our food at camp every day. You know, we're out there hiking every day and, uh, no, not any really horses unless we kill, you know, I don't see, I I don't envision this. This is, you know, this is what I want. I don't envision it being at a, at a lodge and I get on a a side by side every morning and we go up onto private ground. I want to work for it, but I want to do it with, you know, do it with someone who's knowledgeable about the area because I am, you know, I've been on three elk hunts and I still, you know, not even drawing my bow back at right at one right. point right so i don't know man it's uh you know and they're a completely different species than than whitetail so i want an expert to you know hunt with an expert and i feel like i don't know unless uh someone out there hunts public hmm. in wyoming who might know something <laughs> a, a right. thing or, too, or you know like <laughs> yeah intent but yep. you know i i hate doing that as well like <clears throat> Um, dude, every, every week someone offers me, you know, especially, uh, you know, I'm hunting Michigan this year now. Are you really? Yeah. I'm hunting Michigan. Um, you you win the, uh, the meat eater back 40 contest. No, you get the the inside scoop on that with Mark. No, I'm not going to, I'm not, (laughs) I I am not going to hunt the back 40, Uh, but, uh, but I got peer pressured into it. Right. So I, you know, I, I said, you know, Mark, when I, Mark peer pressure you into it? Well, not necessarily just Mark, but about, you know, 130 other people oh, who, okay. who listen to the podcast. And, and the whole bet was if I ever am able to break away and do this full time, I'll come and hunt Michigan with you, uh, with Mark. And so what what's ha- happened is I got laid off. So I technically didn't quit. <laughs> so I was kind of using that for last year. And then I, I put something out on you know, on online saying, Hey, I want to hunt somewhere three days, maybe four days, a whitetail hunt over the counter tag close to, you know, close to Iowa. I posted that, you know, looking for what state would be the best. And then it just was a flood of people going, you promised Mark, Michigan, dude, you got to hunt Michigan. Yeah, dude, hunt Michigan, Michigan, Michigan. So finally I gave in to peer pressure. It was like a high school party. Hey dude, take a drink. Hey, dude, right. take a drink. <laughs> I finally took a drink and I committed to uh, uh, going to hunt some public in, in Michigan. God, do you like, is Mark going to assist you with that or is that all on your own? Do you know what part of Michigan? You know, I think I'll be within driving distance from Mark's house. Gotcha. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, I'd still, I still have a lot of scouting to do, obviously, e-scouting, but you know, I've talked to uh, a lot of other people already from Michigan and they said, well, here's some, here's some public in the area, but it gets pounded and I'm yeah. okay. With, I'm okay with that, dude. I, uh, I just want to go and hunt a different state because I've never hunted a different state for whitetails before. And, you know, a lot of it in, in a crazy way, a lot of it is guys going, you know, you have no idea what it's like. You live in the big buck state of Iowa. You have no idea what it's like to hunt, you know, a state that gets high pressure and whatever, right? I can sit here and talk about that. But uh, a little bit to shut people up, too, if that makes sense. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's like, sure. okay, I hunted Michigan. There you go. All right. Yeah. We've got we've got loads of public land in northern Michigan where I'm at. Um but it's just the hunting's 
not it's not that fun but yeah. if you're going to come during the rut that's going to be a different story which i'd highly recommend yeah um i think it can I, be i think i'm actually real boring october okay so and somewhat er, somewhat early too okay because mid mid to late october i'm going on a mule deer hunt in south dakota and then you. you know when i get back from that i got to take a the the grace period of not hunting so my wife right. calms down a little bit, and then after that, we can do the uh, uh, the whitetail right here in Iowa again. So who knows? Maybe if I tag out early in Iowa, I'll hop back in my uh, hop back in the truck and drive up for the part of the rut in in Michigan. There you go. That's uh, man. I was hoping you would uh, jump on the the Nebraska train. Yeah. So they, I want uh, to. They're gone. Their gun season doesn't open till November 14th this year. A lot, a lot of times it's um, like the 7th, 8th, 9th, their gun season opens. In the last two years, it's been um, opening day has been later. It's been more mid. So I'm, I'm super excited about that um, just because I really like to hunt later in November than early. Yeah. So Yeah. What yeah. time does the Michigan gun season start? November 15th. November 15th. Yeah. Oh man, it's crazy. Uh, so you got a, a rifle season at the tail end, like you know, right at the peak of the rut, it starts. Yep. So, so bow hunters get theirs, and then gun hunters get theirs. And what's the, you know, I I I see a lot of chatter online these days about people. How do I put this? People complaining that you know gun hunters get too much time or uh bow hunters get too much time or hey crossbows and and this and that what is your what what is your stance on all of that especially coming from michigan where you do have a a rifle season uh you know i think i think it was mich or wisconsin they're thinking about turning the uh the rifle season up there from nine days to 19 days Okay. And it's caused a lot of uproar. And they talked about introducing a crossbow, you know, letting crossbows be used during uh, bow season. And then obviously there's each side of the story is throwing a shit fit because they feel like they're being treated unfairly. So what, like, I don't know. What are your thoughts on all that? Oh, several. So you can use a crossbow during bow season in, um, in Michigan. The no, no handicap requirements or anything like that necessary. Anyone can do it. And I'm all for it. I used to be against it. But when you really start thinking about it, if it gets people out hunting and it has people making uh, better shots on animals, all for it. Also, if you're getting kids out and women out and stuff like that, all for it. Um, perfect example, my, my buddy, he was getting his wife into hunting she started with a compound and could only draw 40 and she shot a couple deer didn't get good hits on them you know no pass through you know only like five six inches of penetration which should kill a deer but it's just tough yeah um and he was like all right we're done with this bought her a crossbow and she's just you know deer only going 100 yards and they're dead so it's just more ethical for the animal um, as far as gun season, ours opens the 15th and goes to the 30th. And then we've got a lot going on with 
trying to contain um, CWD. So they're kind of extending it. Um, I think that's more in southern Michigan. But uh, I don't know. I would I would love to, after hunting Iowa, because Iowa is like the only state I really know of where like rifle season. Well, it's but you guys have shotgun. Anyway, gun season doesn't start till basically December, right? Uh, December, yeah, and it's like a week or two into December sometimes. Yeah. So I've hunted like into like November like fifteenth, sixteenth, eighteenth, like that time frame, and and it's just magical to to do that with a bow. There's you're just your big bucks are up cruising um and i think it would be great if michigan just pushed gun season back a little bit even if it was just like the week of thanksgiving just michigan's such a tradition rich hunting state especially gun season um i just don't see it really ever changing like november 15th is the day and i mean especially the further north you go in michigan and even the UP, like the UP, they don't even have school on the 15th. Businesses close on the 15th. You start getting, that's like, that's the upper peninsula. You get into northern, lower peninsula, you have some of that. And then as you get to southern Michigan, central and southern Michigan, um, schools don't close and businesses don't close. But there's definitely a lot of kids that aren't going to school because they're going out hunting and stuff like that. So, right. Um, but November 15th, like, is a very tradition rich day. So I don't, I don't see it changing. Maybe it would. I, I would love it, but at the same time, Michigan hunters can have their their rifle season. I'd rather be sitting in a tree stand with my bow out in Iowa or something like that. Right. So, or by that time, you know, end of November. Me personally, you're starting to get into some pretty good steelhead fishing. So yeah, that always that always works out well. But I don't. I actually don't do any um, gun hunting in the state of Michigan. Okay. So, so let me ask you this: Is there a is there a a magic recipe for this? Let's just say you have October 1st to December 31st. For all intents and purposes, that's our date range. And you can hunt. You, you get one buck tag, but you're allowed to use any weapon throughout that entire time. Is that is that a possible solution for, and, and this is obviously just brainstorming. I have no facts. I have no statistics. I have no data. If... Is that fair? So a guy wants to use his rifle in October. Hey, you can use your rifle in October. Uh, if a guy wants to, you know, use his rifle in November. Hey, you can use your rifle, but you only get one tag. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't call it. I mean, fair to who? Fair to the hunter or fair to the animal? Fair to you everybody. Got, like, yeah, it doesn't matter what think, weapon. Yeah, I would think that. That's maybe not might not be fair to the animal that's being hunted. Um, also, I think you got safety issues. So, because now everyone's got to wear orange the entire season. Yeah. Uh, and they just got you just have three months of bullets flying, and I don't know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm not a I'm not a gun hunter, right? I've I I've shotgun hunted in Iowa a handful of years, you know. I did it the party hunting style where you would drive and, and do all that. Not a big fan of that. But I, I do feel that there is, you know, everybody deserves a chance to do something. And, you know, I look at if I, you know, if you want to hunt the rut in Iowa, and I selfishly, you know, selfishly, I 
I like what Iowa has, right? We have a, a great deer herd. We have a, uh, I, in my opinion, a great system. You know, if you want to use a gun, you we have an early season muzzleloader uh, opportunity for Iowa in you know the, in mid October. Uh, we have the late season uh, opportunity as well. We have the shotgun seasons as well. So, I don't know. Uh, I've just I you know I hear hear a lot of people bitch. Now the other thing that I want to talk about is crossbows because you know the the more my family gets into it the more you know obviously I think I think a kid I'm not 100% sure but I think a kid can use a crossbow in Iowa until they're a certain age my wife is 5'1 she's 108 pounds so she is tiny and you know she's strong but I don't think she's strong enough to pull a compound bow back with anything lethal coming out of it. Right. Does that make sense? And oh, I'm, yeah. su- I'm sure we could find a setup that would allow her to do that. But I feel that if my wife had the opportunity to use a crossbow during bow season, it would allow, she would be more interested in coming into the timber with me to, to hunt. Right. But right. then we have a, a group of people who are like, dude, if you allow crossbows, you're going to, you know, open up the range. And I don't know if there's any statistics to back this up, whether a crossbow is more lethal than a bow. But I just I just see it opening up so many more doors and opportunities for people that uh, that to get them in the woods. Right. And I think all a lot of this argument, depending on what side you're on, comes down to selfishness like i'm a bow hunter so i only want there to be bow hunting or i'm a gun hunter and i only want there to be gun hunting or i want to be able to use a crossbow or whatever i think like a lot of it in my opinion just is tag allocation where you know if you want to use a uh, crossbow during bow season you're still going to have to do the same things that a bow hunter does right right for the most part I mean, I don't see a, you know, yeah, some of these crossbows can shoot accurately out to 100 yards, but if even if I was hunting with a crossbow, I probably wouldn't take a 100-yard shot on a whitetail, even with a crossbow. Right, right. right? So I think there's probably a little bit of miscommunication there or some some facts or rumors that are being spread. Uh, and I'm just like you, dude. I used to talk shit on crossbows but now that i have a family and i see that it does allow people who otherwise couldn't take advantage of the archery season out of the out of it that you know it's just man i just i i keep wanting to i want to i want to support it now on the other hand if my buddy pulls out a crossbow and he's a hundred percent capable of using a bow i will make fun of him that's what that's that's the only thing that bothers me. <laughs> that is the only part of it that absolutely drives me nuts. I see guys that like I went to high school with that you like you know you're friends with them in high school, yeah. but like now you're just like social media acquaintances, and you know you see them hunting and they're just hunting with a crossbow, and it's like, dude, you're every bit as strong and capable as me. Why are you, you just didn't take the time to practice? Like that's just the easy way out. I'm like that's. I mean, it's fine, yeah. but yeah, I can it, it, it does. It does stick me up. And like you said, if any of my friends dared to bring a crossbow to 
to deer camp that are perfectly capable of shooting a compound, they probably would not be allowed to go hunting on <laughs> whatever property. Or they would get just basically straight up harassed for the whole week. Yeah. yeah. I'll say I'll say something that I'm I gotta assume a lot of people think this way. So like there's the this big information out there about hunter recruitment numbers are down. Hunter participation numbers are down, right? Right. And, and it's this big concern because you need you need people to be hunting to support our sport and and money and all that. But at the same time, to go on a selfish, uh, you know, your selfish comment, it's like, uh, I don't have a problem with less people hunting because then selfishly, there's just there's more opportunity for myself and and my hunting friends and stuff like that. So, I I gotta assume a lot of people think that way yeah. and just don't voice their opinion. Um, yeah, I don't know. If anyone listens to this, just know that you're not alone. Yeah. So <laughs> at, at the end of this, we'll give everybody your phone number, so we, you know if they have a problem, they can cons- you can console them. Right. But um, you know, in Iowa, it's a it's a weird thing because you know hunting numbers are down, but it's harder to find ground to hunt in Iowa. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, ten years ago, I used to be able to knock on a door and. You know, 29, 30 years old, knock on a door, and I'm getting permission 75% of the time, right? These days, I, I could go on that same route and not I wouldn't get a, a farm to hunt, right? I'm lucky that I, I've been hunting these farms that I've been hunting for, you know, 10 plus years. And it's just, I, it's, I think it's hard for the hunter to consume especially in Iowa, because now you have a ton of, you know, other people wanting to come to Iowa. Leases are happening. More outfitting is happening. We have less public land. And still, there's, you know, so there's some kind of displacement going on where all these other hunters, more family members are starting to hunt. But now people, you know, they're they're allowing less hunters on a property because Iowa is now the big buck mecca right, right. so right. they everybody wants to shoot a big buck they're not letting the number of people hunt on the on those properties that they you know usually in the past did and you know like a a farmer he used to let anybody hunt well that farm has been you know transferred to their son the son probably rents it out for doesn't actually farm it he rents it out for you know crop ground and then he also leases the the hunting rights to it so now we have a, you know, displacement of all the hunters that were there. So because Iowa is only, you know, is less than 2% public ground, they either have to go find new property or they have to pack into the limited public that we do have, which is, you know, I'm not going to say it's better or worse than any other state because I've never hunted any other state. But I will tell you this, that we have a lot of people that hunt public ground in Iowa and I, I'm not going to, I don't want to compare it, but it's a struggle just like anywhere else. We just happen to have a better age structure that allows us to, you know, see the deer that we see. Um, I've, I've uh, scouted public in Iowa, and I will tell you that it is vastly different than the public land in, in northern Michigan around me. Um, all the public land that I scouted in Iowa, for whatever reason, was was ag. 
Yeah. So they lease it to farmers. The the public land in Michigan that and this is pretty much all public land in Michigan that I know of, and I walked a lot of miles of it. It is a lot of oaks, pines, very acidic soil, a lot of old growth forests, not a lot of new growth, and not a lot of deer. So it's those there there you got two completely different like geographical features of Iowa public land versus Michigan public land that I've personally found. Yeah. So, so and I don't know if Iowa's got areas that are just like wooded and stuff like that, but yeah, all the all the public land that I hunt in northern Michigan is not there's no ag around it at all. So are you saying then that the uh it's just like scrub ground. Michigan public is scrub ground. A lot of it, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Gotcha. I so, mean, don't tell me you're wrong. We've got we've got plenty of deer around. We have high deer numbers, um, but um, yeah, we don't have the age structure like you guys. And then yeah, we've just got harder winters and more hunters and, and more hunters. Yeah. yeah. So and then we just have. I mean, we've got tens of thousands. Manistee National Forest and Huron National Forest. I mean, those are huge. I don't know how many tens of thousands of acres they are. But um, right. we got a ton of beautiful rivers that run through them all, and it's all open to the public, and it's great. But there's not a ton of food in top-notch quality of soil around uh, around a lot of it. So yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's hit and miss, dude. And then the other thing that I made a comment the other day on on my personal Facebook page. I didn't post it on Nine Finger Chronicles, but um, Iowa there was some some new laws that were uh, getting ready to be made and i don't know how i necessarily feel about this uh i'm you know i talked to some people who own land in iowa and they have to go through the same tag allocation process that everybody does regardless if they're a landowner or not and so they only get even as a landowner they only get to hunt their properties with a bow once every x number of years depending on what zone you're in right so yeah. I said uh, in this post, I said, you know, let's keep Iowa just the way it is. And if you, you know, if you don't live here, then you should have to go through the draw process just like everybody else does. And then there was a handful of guys who were like, well, I pay taxes in Iowa. I want to hunt Iowa. You know, I pay property taxes just like the my neighbor does, but I can't hunt it every year. Well, my whole issue with that is why did you buy land in Iowa then and not an over-the-counter state, right? Well, their answer is because it's big, it's big buck country, right? So uh, do I sound, am I being, a, again, selfish and being a douche when? I, no. No? Nope. Totally okay. agree. I totally agree. Uh, yeah. I would love to buy property in Iowa and be able to hunt it every single year. It's like a dream. But again, like you said, you got to go through the draw process. Um, you know that going into it. So, I mean, again, and, and Iowa does a great job of managing their deer herd. I hear, I totally get what those guys are saying. Um, but just no, no. Like you said, if you want to uh, hunt big deer, you should have done. You should have bought land in them over the counter state. You got. What Nebraska, Kansas, Illinois, Ohio? Yeah, they all—they're all surround Missouri, even like it's all. I mean, I think those are deer. all over the counter. Ohio, those are all over the counter. Yeah, 
right? All those states. Yeah, let's not get it. You know, let's not get it twisted. If you if if you have a lot of ground, let's say private ground, whether you're in Illinois, whether you're in Ohio, um, let's just say all intents and purposes, the property is the same Wisconsin. Um, and I don't know about Michigan per se, but I know in, in Wisconsin, in Illinois, in Iowa, in Missouri, in Kentucky, in Ohio, um, and even, you know, some of the pockets throughout some of the other states in the Midwest, that if you highly have highly managed property, you're going to shoot a bigger antlered buck with a higher age class than if you don't, right? So I feel that from that perspective, you know, there, if you want to hunt bigger deer, let's say you, you live in Michigan and you want to shoot a big deer in in a different state and but you want to do it every year well then you should buy a tag in a state that allows you to hunt every single year totally agree so i absolutely 100 agree so let me ask you this then are there parts of michigan where let's say there's neighborhoods or a better you know the southern part of the state i hear has better deer uh, hunting than the northern part of the state from a a, a quote unquote big buck standpoint. Yes, right. Yep, that's correct. So yep. there, there's probably managed farms, big chunks of managed farms down there that allow a deer to get you know uh, older and allow their antlers to get bigger, which unfortunately is what everybody wants. And do you feel that if the laws changed in Michigan that there would be bigger deer taken in Michigan? Uh, yes. I think if, um, I think Michigan, I think Michigan has more of like a mindset problem. I think like, so I hunt Nebraska Yeah. and something like 35% of the deer shot there are, I want to say like two and a half or younger. Okay. Meaning, meaning, what is that? Sixty-five percent are three and a half or older. That's insane. I don't know what the numbers are in Michigan, but we get we get two buck tags, and you can use them during bow season. You can use them during rifle season. Doesn't matter. Um, and there's just a lot of if it's brown, it's down. Um, so yeah, you go to. I I don't think they're ever going to go away from two buck tags because there's too much money. Uh, I forget I forget the numbers, but yeah, there's there's a ton of money associated with people buying that second buck tag. Yeah. Um, but if they went one buck tag for bow season and one one buck tag for rifle season, I think that would be a step in the right direction. Um, but yeah, there's just not people need to. I think it's going to get better over time because there's more information out there, um, just with like passing on deer and letting them get you know at least to you know two and a half or three and a half. But um, I mean, uh, up where I live, we have there's 12 counties, um, and since I think 2015, they passed a antler point restriction where it's got to be three on one side to shoot. Okay. So, and and hunting has gotten better up here, but um, it still has a long way to go to compete with anything like like Southern Michigan. Right. But again, again, just not as much farm, longer winters, that whole thing. So, um, what what I, blows me away Michigan, is that Michigan has the Sorry, go ahead. I was, no, I'm, I'm sorry, but 
from what I hear, Michigan has a healthy doe population, right? Oh, yeah. There's lots of, from, you know, again, this is only talking to people, and I talk to people every day about, you know, there's a lot of does, right? But everybody wants the buck, right? So when we say, I I almost feel like when we have a conversation like this, we need to say buck hunting, because if you want to shoot a deer, there's lots, there's does there that you can shoot. Oh, yeah. Yep. Right. So it's it's buck hunting, right? So and that's what gets people so fired up is buck hunting, because it's the antlers, man. Unfortunately, I almost I almost wonder what would happen. What would happen? You know, like if you could get in the DeLorean and go back in time. And <laughs> I love that you just said DeLorean. Well, you get in, that's... you go back in time, and. Yep whoever the first guy was to brag about the inches of antlers, like he didn't do it. He's like, dude, my, do you think, do you think it would change or it was, was all of this inevitable? It's all inevitable, man. It's just uh big antlers are just so unique. And then I, I, I don't like, I hear what you're saying. I don't yeah. like how it's the big buck craze and stuff like that. A lot of people got to just be happy with, like I'm pretty, I'm very tickled if I shoot in Michigan. If I shoot a hundred inch a point, I am, I'm pretty happy camper. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I set some higher expectations if I go to the Midwest because, you know, that's kind of what I'm going out there for. Right. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's just cause they're unique. You know, that the bigger they are, the more rare they are. Um, I think anytime something's rare, it's going to be sought after more. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. And then in nowadays we have social media too. So oh, yeah. it's like big dick. Contest. You know, you're sw- yeah. You're swiping and it's just booner, 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 booner. And you're like, all I have is a, you know, a 50 inch six point on my cameras. Like it, it, it it's unfortunate, yeah. but that will take excitement out of someone's season. Yeah. And it's just like all because of social media, all because of technology. Yeah. So. So a couple of weeks ago, speaking of social media, a couple of weeks ago, I posted um, a couple deer. Like I think there was three bucks that I ended up passing uh, this year or I know one of them was a shooter. I just never had an encounter with him. You know, he was on one side of the farm. I was on the other. And then. Uh, another buck I posted saying, I, you know, I passed this, you know, 143 year old and a guy reached out to me and he's, he mentioned something about, he felt like sometimes he was being shamed by not being able to shoot a deer like that. And I thought about it a little bit and it, you know, I'm sure there's people out there that do it. You know, who, who are just like, dude, why'd you shoot that deer? He's so, he's too small, all based off of the antlers. Right. Or even, even if you want to talk about age, which is in my opinion, a shitty thing to do, but don't think for a second that when I go to Michigan this year, if a deer like that steps out, I'm going to pass him. Right. I'm not, that's not going to happen. I'm going to shoot probably one of the first deer that steps out in front of me. Absolutely. But I have the opportunity, just like other people in different states have the opportunity to hunt where they hunt and have the option to pass a, a younger deer 
uh, and regardless of the antler size, I mean, he said he said he felt a little shamed, and I can understand if it's blatant, but I think a lot of that just you know not only is it up to the person who is posting to do a good job to describe what's going on there, but at the other time. I think the people who are consuming content also need to realize that, dude, maybe it's up on it's it's up to you to follow or not follow that person or um, understand that, you know, some dudes hunt in Illinois, some dudes hunt in Michigan. And there's a there's a big difference there. Uh, yeah, I've got I've got multiple things to say. So this guy was he was ashamed of himself. For shooting well, the size of the shot. He reached out to me and we had a conversation and he felt that there's certain people out there who whether they 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 feel like it or not, in some way they're shaming part of the hunting community that does not have access to big bucks or older age class. Yeah. yeah. So so that that in itself just needs to one hundred percent go away. Like one hundred percent. It's it's a it's a resource that's available to all of us, and we are all entitled to enjoy it how we see fit within the laws that are set up by our state. Like plain and simple, that you should never you should never take you should never be negative to anyone for anything they killed. Um, with that said, I personally am guilty of giving my buddy shit. Uh, when we went to Nebraska this year, he shot a buck, I don't know, 110 inch eight point day one, like night one, like back in like the thick of everything. Like we pushed right in because we had a South wind and we only had a South wind that night. And the next five days were like North wind. So we couldn't get to these couple tree stands. And so he, we went back into the heart of it. We each saw like 40 deer, a couple different shooters and he shot a buck and he rushed the shot. He shot forward. So um, then we didn't track it till the next morning. When we got to it, coyotes had eaten the whole thing. And I was like, you know, in the moment, I didn't say anything to him. But he could tell, like, my vibe was off. You know, I wasn't, like, pumped for him or anything like that because I was just kind of annoyed. And in my mindset at that moment, which is not right, it's not right of me to do it all. But my mom was like, what, what, this is not what we came here for. We came here to shoot, you know, mature deer. Yeah. And, um, I took that moment from him. Yeah. I took that moment from him and I had to come back a day later and be like, dude, like I'm an asshole. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. I am what's wrong with, with all of this social media, big buck craze. Like, and I had to apologize and, you know, we're friends, you know, so it doesn't matter. We're going to go on a bunch of hunting trips this year together but yeah it's just uh the moment can get caught up with you and i think if you just just try not to be that guy that does that says anything negative to anyone about what they kill don't take that moment from anyone yeah and i think i think this is a perfect opportunity to talk about what makes people happy right and i don't feel like i feel if you shoot whatever you want, but complain about it. It's wrong. I feel if you yeah, give, yes. if you, let's say a guy, if, if a guy 
shoots a spike, but then bitches that he he shot a spike or he shot a a deer and he said some shit like, well, if I don't shoot it, the neighbor will shoot it. I think <laughs> I think that's wrong. I think if a guy says, dude, why'd you shoot that buck? Why did you shoot that? And takes that moment away, similar to what you just described. I think that's yep. wrong. I think that there should only be one moment, one pure moment where you walk up on that deer and you are happy. If if you're only shooting a deer just to kill a deer, to tell your friends that you killed a deer, I think that's bullshit. Yeah. Um, you know, I've I've had a moment where I've walked up on a deer. Was it, what was it 2017? 2017, I, I shot a deer that came in. He looked like he was gigantic. He was all postured up, bristled up. He came in. I shot him. I watched him drop, got out of my tree stand, walked out of him, put him in my back pocket to take him to the truck. I mean, that's how tiny he was. His body was. He was just a, he just had a really good genetics. And yep. I, I had a moment where I was like, oh, man, he is not what I wanted. But then I, you know, I, I took that second and I said, you know what? It was an awesome experience and I enjoyed every moment of it. Right. So right. I think, I think that it's, it sucks, but there needs to be some kind of a culture change to where just go out and oh, have fun and, sh- and shoot, shoot what you want. Antlers don't mean shit in the grand scheme of things. It's, right. un- it's, un- it's so unfortunate. And I, you know, when I see, I, I have the same reaction when people, show me let's say at, at a trade show or they send me pictures on social media they said here's what i took this year i have the ex- like for the most part unless it's just like some 200 inch gagger that i'm that i i'd say dude congratulations on an awesome deer right and i then i always say something like dude i bet you know he's like what do I say? I say something like the the last guy, for example, I said, dude, make make backstrap fajitas or something like that. Right. And the conversation really <laughs> isn't isn't around the antlers. It's around the experience and and sharing the story. What really frustrates me is when uh, some guy I hear a conversation, I hear some guy pulls his phone out. And first thing he says is oh, he's 175 or he's 181. Or he's, uh, yeah, he was only, he was only 141 or he was only this. I'm just like, Jesus, dude. Like, I honestly don't give a shit about what your deer scored. Tell me about the story behind it. Yes. Right. Tell me the story because that is what, in my opinion, hunting is all about. It's making memories. It's telling stories and it's, you know, whether that, whether inches are part of the story or not, I think inches is just like the smallest part of the story, right? Yeah. So. so I have, I so on the same subject, I've got something that's always kind of dawned on me that I've never been able to, you know, exactly figure out. But, all right, you have the big whitetail craze. You got inches and stuff like that. Everyone's, you know, there's people can get mad at each other. People online will say you should have passed that deer or whatever. People give people shit yeah. about whitetails all day long. Yep. You go to elk hunting, and any elk is fair game and an accomplishment, and right. there's n- no one ever says, should have let him go another year. Yeah. Is it, is it because everyone knows how freaking hard it is to kill elk? I think that like, plays into it. I think that plays into it. You know, oh. I, not, and I think you're going to hear more about whitetails just because more people hunt whitetails than they do elk. 
So in a whitetail is, you know, I'm guessing an easier game to take, you know, public yep. in Colorado versus public in Michigan are two completely different things. And it's harder to find an elk. It's harder to kill an elk. It's, you know, you know, obviously there's a handful of people that will disagree with me on that statement, but it is what it is. I really, I, I think a lot of it has to do with the take and just the difficulty of an elk hunt versus the difficulty of a whitetail hunt. Yeah. So I would, I would, where I'm going with that is it would be great if we could take the mindset of harvesting an elk and apply it similarly to whitetails, yeah. right? Right. Any, any whitetail is a trophy, just like any elk is a trophy. And yeah. you just find it with elk, you just find it across the board. You never see people giving shit to each other about the size of the bull they killed. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. I hear you, man. I hear you. Those dang, those dang Westies, they got it figured <laughs> out. Well, <laughs> let's not even get started on that because, uh, so, um, here's what I, here's what I will say. It's crazy right now. Um, so I was, you know, flipping through Instagram or whatever, and I guess, uh, Greg Ritz from hunt masters TV. Did you see that? Oh yeah. Yeah. It was uh, kind of, yeah, I saw it. I guess he is potentially in some trouble. I don't, I, I don't think he's been found guilty yet of anything, but, um, but right. it's, it sounds to me like it's a, from, from the information that I've read and from the, the tickets that have been issued, it sounds to me like, yeah, and of course he's going to fight it in court. But according to this, it looks like he did some bad things, right? And I'm going to tell – I'm not going to spread any rumors. All I want to do is say if you – it's out there online. With that said, there are uh, – I feel that in order for the hunting community to really – how do I put this? It's almost like we need a purge, and it's, it's very important – to bring new hunters in and to have, you know, this, this whole recruitment thing that we, we talk about hunter recruitment. But in my opinion, I feel that there is a small group, a small group of people who the hunting community should ask, can you do us a favor and go away and stop making content? <laughs> And I yeah. say that with all due respect, right? And, you know, the, the movie, just because you say with all due respect doesn't mean you can say whatever you want. But, but Yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Just like if, if you are going to uh, represent the hunting community, do it in a good way, right? Don't be a douche yeah. and poach and cheat and lie and do all this stuff. Now, I'm not. That's not like uh, I'm not trying to say that this person did did that or not because he'll have his day in court just like everybody does. But right, I don't know. Like, dude, like, what are you doing? What are you doing? How did it even get to this point? Right? How did it even get to a point where all of a sudden you're, you've you've had tags that are t uh, tickets issued for you, and you have a you. These, these people are representing the hunting community. In my opinion, some of them are part of the big buck craze problem. Some of them are not. Uh, some of them, I don't know. I just. So, so here's my, when I look at it, here's what I ask. It's yeah. like, what, 
why? What what causes? So when uh, say you have a hunting TV show, do you you got to have X amount of episodes, right? Yeah. Um, does do your sponsors do the does it matter the size of the deer? Are they just happy that you're putting content out? Yeah, like, I don't know. What, I don't like, know. Who's who's putting? Is it self pressure? Uh, is it ego driven? Is it is it driven by your sponsors that you need to you know have this caliber of deer that you harvest like yeah. i just try to i just ask like where what's driving you to break the law and be yeah. you know to to make a questionable choice like that or yeah you could even go with questionable shots i yeah. mean well it, stuff it, like that. it's crazy because i mean look at the look at the 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 popularity of the hunting public these guys are putting out a ton of content and they're not they don't have a kill in every episode, right? Right, right. Some of these, you know, a lot of these television shows, they don't, you know, some of them may or may not have a uh, a kill, but for the most part, there's a kill in every episode of some of these television shows. So there's probably some pressure to say, man, I promised the network that I was going to come out with X number of uh, shows. And if I don't have a kill, then that means that my likes are going to go down. My followers are going to go down. People aren't going to watch my show or whatever. But I'll tell you right now, if a sponsor said, well, we really need you to kill X, you know, X number of inches in a contract. Holy shit. That would blow my mind. Yeah. Right. That, that would, I would probably have to not, not buy that product just because of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that is absolutely bananas. If that's the, that's the case, or you have to have X number of kills in order for us to continue this partnership. And if you don't, you know, if you kill or, you know, like a a running back, well, if you break 2000 yards, we're going to give you a bonus, right? If you kill a booner, we're going to give you a bonus. Like then there's, then that's when all this sneaky shit creeps in. And a guy's like, God, I got a bait or I got to shoot a deer or, you know, or what, what is being questioned at this point, which pisses me off more than baiting pisses me off more than poaching is the fact that someone shot a deer, took pictures with it. You know, obviously again, I just want to repeat myself. This guy is going to have his day in court. But shot a deer, took pictures with it, left it lay. Didn't even take the antlers off of it. Didn't take the meat off of it. Just just, just, just killed the animal for clout, yep. basically. Fuck that. Yep. Dude. It's wrong. It's wrong. Just straight <sighs> up. 100% wrong. Yeah. So, yeah. Um We've we've literally talked a lot about everything today in this episode. A lot of soapbox. Yeah. yeah. A lot of soapbox? A lot of soapbox yeah, standing. There's a little bit of soapbox going on in here. Well let's okay. end on let's end on something that's not so soapboxy. Who, uh, who are you voting for? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. Fantastic. Oh man. Um I will say, um, I've been shooting some new bows, mainly oh, really? mainly the Matthews line. Okay. Um, looking at getting a new a new bow this year, um, and this is all I'll say. If 
Matthews has bows that go up to, they got a 75 pound mod in them. So you can, and if you crank them all the way down, it's like 78 pounds. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I shot probably 12 arrows at 78 pounds and I couldn't feel my shoulder. Well, I could feel my shoulder. Uh, I could feel my shoulder way too much. Like the next two, three days felt like I tore a, a tendon in my shoulder from drawing back that much weight. And yeah. I, I, I work out and pretty, and you know, I'm fairly strong guy, but, uh, I'm just blown away that and you have a lot of bows moving to, the uh, 75 to 80 pound draw weight. Yeah. Yeah. I, I jumped up to 81, one or two seasons and practice for me became harder. Like I, I could feel the fatigue and that was back in the day when I was lifting a lot and I was in way better shape than I am now. And I'll never do that again. Like for me, you know, 70, 70 is the max and you know, the older I get, that'll probably go down. You know, in ten years, I might be might be shooting sixty five or even sixty or whatever. I mean, who knows what what'll happen in the next uh, handful of years? But I don't know. That's all personal preference at that point. Any? Did you shoot any other bows? Yeah, I shot. Uh, it was a Hoyt, like a Ultra RX four or something like that. Um, it was carbon. I want to say like just a bare bow was like eighteen hundred bucks. I was surprised to see that um, most flagship bows are, you know, they're more like they're either eleven hundred or twelve hundred dollars now, which for the cream of the crop, like the yeah the, the top brands. Yeah, Matthews. Yeah, I think Hoyt's got some too. Prime stuff like that. They're just they're starting to creep over that thousand dollar mark, which nine hundred to a thousand dollars was like the the max uh, yeah. that you pay for a bow, like. 2014 15 16 and i can i just can't believe how much prices are continuing to go up yeah but those are the those are the flagship bows right so there's obviously a ton of other i guess models out there from off brands or even from like the sec not not the flagship model but the secondary model or whatever you know yeah yeah so I'm I'm almost thinking about going with like a two year old used bow, dude. You get a you get a two year old flagship used bow in mint condition for like six hundred bucks. What I want to know is where where does all of the bows that don't get sold, let's say the 2019 bows that don't get sold, where do they go? Because the dealers, I mean, I don't know if they necessarily keep them around or do they send them back in or what they do. But, you know, if you're smart, the second that new bow comes out, there's got to be a huge price decrease in the last year's model or two years ago model. Right. So where can you and I'm guessing they don't all get sold. So where do they go? Where can a guy find them? Yeah, the bow the bow shops that I see they kind of start moving inventory out right when the new bows are coming in, but they're marked up so much that um, even if they knock you know two hundred dollars off you know two thousand say you got a two thousand nineteen bow in there, they knock two hundred dollars off it because you got the twenty twenty bows coming out. Um, they're still making a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah. So I worked at I worked at my local archery shop here four or five years ago. And the owner sold me um, a flagship bow for 800 bucks when I want to say 
uh, retail price was a thousand and um, the manager was like, yeah, he still made a couple hundred bucks off that sale. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think this is obviously a, a BS session. So oh, yeah. what are we going to talk about on the next hunting gear podcast? Whenever uh, we get you back on, what do you want to talk about? I would love to talk about um, camera equipment, okay. tree arms, stuff like that. I do a lot of self filming. I'm sure there's a lot of people. I know there's a lot of people that do a lot of self filming um, anywhere from self-filming with, um, a designated camcorder versus like with a DSLR. I've had, um, a lot of experience with both of those, both have pros and cons, um, different tree arms and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, GoPros and stuff like that. I, I, I got a GoPro eight for that trip. I went on to uh, Cuba right. and that thing is, that thing's awesome. And, um, yeah, so I've got a lot of knowledge on that. If you want to talk about camera equipment. Let's do it. Yeah. We'll do it. So uh, check out the Hunting Gear podcast in a couple of weeks where we talk about hunting gear and equipment, and we'll be talking about uh, camera arms. And if you haven't, Bob and I did a lot of recording at the ATA show, um, what, t- two months ago. And yeah. uh, we, wow. man, there's a lot of content out there uh, from that show, and I'm st- actually still putting it out, and there'll be more put out whenever. But uh, Bob Polanik, hopefully the steelhead fishing gets a little better. Thanks for taking time, and uh, I guess we'll talk to you when we talk to you. All right. Sounds good, Dan. Thanks for having me on. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, another episode in the books. And that is, I'll tell you, that's what you call a BS session. Uh, I had no clue what was going to go on. I just needed to put a podcast out and that's what you got. But I like those podcasts because it allows everybody to get just relaxed a little bit, you know? So huge shout out to all the partners of this podcast, Prime, Ozonix, Wasp, Lone Wolf, Vortex, Vortex, and the Average Conservationist. Please go out and support the companies that support this podcast because, you know, you know how it works. They pay me, I get paid, I can do this for a living. I like doing it, and I know that um, from what I hear, you guys like the content that I'm putting out, so appreciate all of that. Other than that, ladies and gentlemen, please um, subscribe to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Please subscribe to the Sportsman's Nations feeds. I'm telling you, it's all this great content under one roof and spread the word about it if you like it spread the word please go to itunes leave a review and uh i think that's it i know that uh, i always say this but 2020 is about giving back so please take some time out of your life and give back to the natural resource that you take away from whether that's writing a check or whether that is volunteering your time Uh, i really strongly suggest going and looking at 2% 2% for conservation and uh, you know seeing what they have available and how you can become certified other than that have a great weekend have a great rest of your life and we'll talk to you next time